Chapter Three of *The Lances of Linwood* by Charlotte Mary Young. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The morning of departure arrived. The men-at-arms were drawn up in the court like so many statues of steel. Leonard Ashton sat on horseback, his eyes fixed on the door. Gaston d'Aubricourt, wrapped in his gay mantle, stood caressing his Arab steed, Brigliador and telling him they should soon exchange the chilly fogs of england for the bright sun of gascony ralph penrose held his master's horse and a black powerful charger was prepared for eustace but still the brothers tarried my eleanor this should not be said reginald as his wife clung to him weeping keep a good heart tis not for long take heed of your dealings with cousin folk oh she knows not what i say father cyril keep guard over her and my boy in case i should meet with any mishap i will assuredly my son said the chaplain but it is little that a poor priest like me can do i would that grant to the clarinums were repealed that were soon done said reginald but it is no time for a loyal vassal to complain of grievances when his liege lord has summoned him to the field that were to make the king's need be his law no no watch over her good father she is weak and tender look up sweetheart give me one cheerful wish to speed me on my journey no she has swooned eleanor my wife be gone be gone my son said father cyril it will be the better for her it may be said reginald yet to leave her thus here nurse support her tend her well give her my tenderest greetings arthur be duteous to her talk to her of our return farewell my boy and blessings on you eustace mount sir reginald sighing heavily swung himself into the saddle eustace waited a moment longer good father this was to have been in poor eleanor's charge it is the token you you know for whom it shall reach her my son you will send me a letter whenever you can truly i will and i would have you read and write especially in latin when you have the chance good gifts should not be buried bethink you too that you will not have the same excuse for sin as the rude ignorant men you will meet eustace hastily called reginald and with a hurried farewell to all around the young squire sprang on horseback and the troop rode across the drawbridge they halted on the mound beyond sir reginald shook his pennon till the long white swallow-tails streamed on the wind then placed it in the hands of eustace and saying on lances of linwood in the name of god st george and king edward do your devoir he spurred his horse forward as if only desirous to be out of sight of his own turrets and forget the parting the pain of which still heaved his breast and dimmed his eye 
a few days brought the troop to southampton where john of gaunt was collecting his armament and with it they embarked crossed to st malo and thence proceeded to bordeaux but there found that the prince of wales had already set forth and was waiting for his brother at dax advancing immediately at the end of three days they came in sight of the forces encamped around that town glorious was the scene before them the green plain covered in every direction with white tents surmounted with the banners or pennons of their masters the broad red cross of st george waving proudly in the midst and beside it the royal lions and castles of the two spanish monarchies to the south the snowy peaks of the pyrenees began to gleam white like clouds against the sky and the grey sea-line to the west closed the horizon eustace drew his rein and gazed in silent admiration and gaston riding by his side pointed out the several bearings and devices which to the warrior of that day spoke as plainly often more so as written words see yonder the tent of my brave countryman the capital de bourg close to that of the prince as is ever his wont no doubt he is willing to wipe away the memory of his capture at Auray. there to the left gules and argent per pale is the pennon of the stout old englishman chandos ha i see the old free companions are here with their you cavalry why twas but the other day they were starting to set this very don enrique on the throne as blithely as they now go to drive him from his while gaston spoke the sound of horses feet approached rapidly from another quarter and a small party came in sight the foremost of whom checked his bridle as at reginald's signal his lances halted and drew respectfully aside he was a man about thirty-six years of age and looking even younger from the remarkable fairness and delicacy of his complexion the perfect regularity of his noble features together with the commanding yet gentle expression of his clear light blue eyes would even without the white ostrich feather in his black velvet cap have enabled eustace to recognize in him the flower of chivalry edward prince of wales welcome my trusty reginald exclaimed he i knew that the lances of linwood would not be absent where knightly work is to be done is my brother john arrived yes my lord replied reginald i parted from him but now as he rode to the castle while i came to seek where to bestow my knaves i know you of old for a prudent man said the prince smiling the provost-marshal hath no acquaintance with that gallant little band methinks i see there a fair face like enough to yours to belong to another loyal linwood i could wish it were a little browner and more manly my lord said reginald it is my brother eustace who has been suffered i take shame to myself for it to tarry at home as my lady's page till he looks as white as my lady herself we will soon find a cure for that in the son of castile said edward you are well provided with squires the men of somerset know where good training is to be found for their sons 
this my lord is the son of sir philip ashton a loyal knight of our country he is welcome said the prince we have work for all let me see you this evening at supper in my tent well eustace what sayest thou said gaston as the prince rode on a prince to dream of a prince for whom to give a thousand lives said eustace and that was the prince of wales said leonard why he spoke just like any other man the two tents of the lances of linwood having been erected and all arrangements made the knights and squires set out for the prince's pavilion the white curtains of which were conspicuous in the centre of the camp within it was completely lined with silk embroidered with the various devices of the prince the lions of england the lilies of france the bohemian ostrich plume with its humble motto the white rose not yet an emblem of discord the blue garter and the red cross all in gorgeous combination a fitting background as it were on which to display the chivalrous groups seen in relief against it at the upper end was placed a long table for the prince and his guests and here sir reginald took his seat with many a hearty welcome from his friends and companions in arms while gaston led his comrades to the lower end where squires and pages were waiting for the provisions brought in by the servants which they were to carry to their knights gaston was soon engaged in conversation with his acquaintance to some of whom he introduced eustace and leonard but the former found far more interesting occupation in gazing on the company seated at the upper table the black prince himself occupied the centre his brother john at his left hand and at his right a person whom both this post of honour and the blazonry of his surcoat marked out as the dethroned king of castile pedro the cruel had not however the forbidding countenance which imagination would ascribe to him his features were of the fair and noble type of the old royal gothic race of spain he had a profusion of flaxen hair and large blue eyes rather too prominent and but for his receding forehead and the expression of his lips he would have been a handsome man of princely mien something too there was of fear something of a scowl he seemed to shrink from the open and manly demeanour of edward and to turn with greater ease to converse with john who less lofty in character than his brother better suited his nature there too eustace beheld the stalwart form and rugged features of sir john chandos the slender figure and dark sparkling southern face of the captal des bouches the royal joyous boon companion visage of sir hugh calverley the freebooting warrior the youthful form of the young stepson of the prince lord thomas holland the rude features of the breton knight sir oliver de clisson soon to be the bitterest foe of the standard beneath which he was now fighting many were there whose renown had charmed the ears of the young squire of linwood keep and he looked on the scene with the eagerness with which he would have watched some favourite romance suddenly done into life and action eustace what eustace in a trance said dobricourt waken and carry this trencher of beef to your brother best that you should do it he added in a low voice taking up a flask of wine 
and save our comrade from at once making himself a laughing-stock the discontented glance with which leonard's eyes followed his fellow-squires did not pass unobserved by a person with whom dobricourt had exchanged a few words a squarely made dark-visaged man with a thick black beard and a huge scar which had obliterated one eye his equipment was that of a squire but instead of like others of the same degree attending on the guests at the upper table he sat carelessly sideways on the bench with one elbow on the board you gaze after that trencher as if you wished your turn was come said he in a patois of english and french which leonard could easily understand although he had always turned a deaf ear to gaston's attempts to instruct him in the latter language however a grunt was his only reply or pursued the squire have you any fancy for carrying it yourself i for my part think we are well quit of the trouble why i said leonard but i trow i have as much right to serve at the prince's table as dainty master eustace my father had never put me under sir reginald's charge had he deemed i should be kept here among the serving men sir reginald which sir reginald has the honour of your service asked the squire to whom leonard's broad somersetshire dialect seemed to present few difficulties sir reginald linwood ye with the curled brown locks next to that stern-looking old fellow with the grey hair ah ay i know him of old him whom the duke of lancaster is pledging a proud strict englishman as rigid a service as any in the camp i should think so said leonard up in the morn hours before the sun to mass like a choir of novices to clean our own arms and the knights like so many horse boys and if there be but a speck of rust or a sword-belt half a finger's length of rye ay ay i once had a fortnight's service with a knight of that stamp but a fortnight was enough for me i promise you and yet gaston lemour chooses to stay with him rather than lead a merry life with sir perducas d'albret with all to gain and not to lose a different life from the days he and i spent together of old gaston d'aubricourt is as sharp as the knight himself said leonard and jibes me without ceasing but yet i could bear it all were it not for seeing eustace the clerk preferred to me as if i were not heir to more acres than he can ever count crowns what may then be your name fair youth and your inheritance demanded the one-eyed squire for your coat of arms is new in the camp my name is leonard ashton my father but leonard's speech was cut short by a squire who stumbled over his outstretched foot both parties burst into angry exclamations leonard's new acquaintance taking his part men looked up and serious consequences might have ensued had not gaston hastened to the spot shame on you young malapert said he to his hopeful pupil 
cannot i leave you one moment unwatched but you must be brawling in the prince's own presence here bear this bread to sir reginald instantly and leave me to make your peace master clifford added he as leonard shuffled away tis an uncouth slip whom sir reginald linwood has undertaken to mould into form and if he is visited as he deserves for each piece of discourtesy his life will not be long enough for amendment so i must e'en beg you to take my apology most readily master dobricor replied clifford there would not have been the least offence had the youth only possessed a civil tongue is not he the son of one of your wealthy englishmen asked the one-eyed squire carelessly ha why should you think so said gaston turning sharply because he shows so much good nurture because his brains are grown fat with devouring his father's beeves fare on which you seem to thrive lamour said the one-eyed though you were not wont to like english beef and english discipline better than gascon wine and gascon freedom i begin to think that the cub of the black wolf of the pyrenees is settling down into a tame english house-dog he has teeth and claws at your service replied gaston i said the squire interrogatively then changing his tone but tell me honestly gaston repent you not of having taken service with gallant sir perducas why you have left him yourself yes because we had sharp words on the spoil of a navarre's village my present leader sir william felton is as free and easy as d'albret or amerigot barcel himself and is not yon ungainly varlet the hope of some rich english house i must see their hopes meet with no downfall said gaston walking away and muttering to himself a plague upon it to train two boys is more than i bargained for and over and above to hinder this wiseacre ashton from ruining himself or being ruined by la borgne basque what has brought him here i thought he was safe in castile with the free companions i would let the oaf take his course for a wilful wrong-headed fool but that it would scarce be doing good service to sir reginald the knights had nearly finished their meal and the squires having served them with wine returned to their own table now freshly supplied with meat which the yeomen in their turn carved for them gaston kept leonard under his own eye till the party broke up on the way to the tent he began to take him to task a proper commencement did you take the prince's pavilion for one of your own island hostels where men may freely brawl and use their fists without fear of aught save the parish constable what business had he to tread on my foot growled leonard what business had your foot there was not your office as i told you to stand ready to hand me whatever i might call for i was speaking a few words to another gentleman the fewer words you speak to la borgne basque 
the better unless you think it is sir reginald's pleasure that you should be instructed in all the dicing and drinking in this camp and unless you wish that the crowns with which your father stored your pouch should jingle in his pockets it is well for you the night marks you not you held long enough parley with him yourself said the refractory pupil look you master leonard ashton i do not presume to offer myself as an example to you save perhaps in the matter of sitting a steed or handing a wine-cup i have no purse to lose and i have wit to keep it if i add or at least as a recollection crossed him if i lost it it should be to please myself and not laborgne basque above all my name and fame are made and yours what would you say of mine said leonard with sulky indignation the heir of ashton is not to be evened to a wandering landless foreigner it is not in sight of these mountain peaks said gaston contemptuously that i am to be called a foreigner and as to being landless if i chose to take my stand on the old tower of arbicourt and call myself lord of the old hillside i should like to see who would gainsay me for name i suspect you will find that many a man has trembled at the sound of beranger d'arbicourt to whom ashton would be but that of an english clown moreover in this camp i would have you to know that the question is not who has the broadest lands but who has the strongest arm and sir squire if you are not above listening to a piece of friendly counsel to brag of those acres of yours is the surest way to attract spoilers i had rather a dozen times trust eustace in such company than you not only because he has more wit but because he has less coin who is this man what is his name asked eustace la borgne basque i know no other said gaston we reck little of names here especially when it may be convenient to have them forgotten he is a free companion a routier brave enough but more ready at the sack than the assault and loving best to plunder waste and plunder again or else to fleece such sheep as our friend here how could such a man gain entrance to the prince's pavilion stout hearts and strong arms find entrance in most places said gaston but as you saw he durst not appear at the upper table the next morning the army began their march to the pyrenees they halted for some days at the foot of the hills whilst negotiations were passing between the black prince and charles the bad king of navarre who might easily have prevented their entrance into the peninsula by refusing a passage through his mountain fastnesses when the permission was granted they advanced with considerable danger and difficulty the rugged paths were covered with snow and ice which made them doubly perilous for the horses and but for gaston's familiarity with his native hills 
sir reginald declared that he could never have brought his little troop across them in safety at length they emerged through the celebrated pass of roncesvalles where eustace in imagination listened to the echoes of the dying blast of roland on the following evening he had the delight of reading his history in the veritable pages of archbishop turpin which precious work he found in the possession of brother walleran a lay-friar in the employment of sir john froissart the chronicler who had sent him with the army as a reporter of the events of the campaign this new acquaintance gave very little satisfaction to sir reginald who was almost ready to despair of eustace's courage and manhood when he found he had gone back to his books and manifested if not so much serious displeasure yet even more annoyance on this occasion than when shortly after he found that leonard ashton spent every moment at his own disposal in the company of la borgna basque that worthy meeting the young gentleman had easily persuaded him that gaston's cautions only proceeded from fears of stories that might with too much truth be told against himself and by skilful flatteries of the young englishman's self-importance and sympathy with his impatience of the strict rule of the knight of linwood succeeded in establishing over him great influence so fared it with the two young squires whilst the army began to enter the dominions of the king of castile here a want of provisions was severely felt for such was the hatred borne to pedro the cruel that every inhabitant of the country fled at his approach carrying off or destroying all that could be used as food it was the intention of bertrand du guesclin the ally of enrique of trastamare to remain quietly in his camp of navaretta and allow hunger to do its work with the invading force but this prudent plan was prevented by the folly of don tello brother of enrique who accusing bertrand of cowardice so stung his fiery spirit that he resolved on instant combat though knowing how little dependence could be placed on his spanish allies the challenge of the prince of wales was therefore accepted and never were tidings more welcome than these to the half-famished army encamped upon the banks of the ebro on the same ground on which in after years english valour was once more to turn to flight a usurping king of spain End of chapter three